Paris and Dubose in smoking jacket. Dorothy has a serious side, but she's also very funny. Act one, scene one. Dorothy. I married an actual Renaissance man. Yes, I really did. The story I have to tell you is about the deep and abiding love we shared. Not the carnal details, please but some of its other aspects, such as the sacrifices we were willing to make and the lengths to which we would go for each other. Dubose Hayward was the real and only true love of my life. It was the summer of 1921, and when we met for the first time, we were both guests at the McDowell Colony in New Hampshire. Mrs. McDowell was a wonderful woman who had a very large estate but a very small family. But she loved the arts. So every summer she invited certain writers and artists of every genre, and we packed our gear and took ourselves there to work. The minute I laid eyes on Dubose Hayward, I knew he was going to be mine. We sized each other up, and without so much as a nod, we knew our feelings were mutual. When the summer had ended, he returned to Charleston and I returned to New York. We wrote to each other each week, and sometimes more often, and saw each other when we could. Finally, after our third summer together at McDowell, we were married on September 23, 1923, at the little church around the corner in New York City. Dubose returned to Charleston without me, because my play Nancy Ann was about to open in New York, that set the low country jungle drums thumping like mad. Where was his wife? And who was she anyway? From Ohio? She writes plays? A lady in the theater? Well, I had to do the work I was being paid to do. But I knew enough about Charleston to know I'd better watch my step so early on I adapted the zippered lip posture and took my lead from Dubose. It was his reputation we had to protect, and he was so much smarter about those things than I was. Oh, there is so much I want you to know. This was a crazy time in the world. The economy was going down, and hemlines were going up. Women were bobbing their hair, throwing away their corsets and kicking up their heels doing the Charleston, especially in Charleston. And in the arts, in Charleston? Well, Dubose and his friends decided that big nasty misunderstanding with the Yankees was behind them, and they had to look to the future. I mean, please. Charleston was spared a visit from Sherman, but sentiment still ran so strong sixty years after the war ended... Honey, the way people whined and carried on, you'd think old Sherman barged into every lady's house on the peninsula, broke all her china, stole her daughters, and punched her husband in the nose. Just ridiculous. I mean, people moaned and moaned about how much better things were before. Wait, do you know the story about Oscar Wilde? No? Well, then listen to this. Oscar Wilde came to Charleston sometime around 1885. The exact year is a little fuzzy to me, but anyway, there's Oscar, 
standing on the high battery with a Charleston gentleman admiring the full moon. Oscar says, My word, would you look at that extraordinary moon? The Charleston gentleman says, Ah, you should have seen it before the war. So now you see. Charleston was reluctant to embrace the future if it meant de-emphasizing the past one tiny iota. DuBose and his cohorts wanted to hold on to all the glories of the past, but have their work reflect their observances of the present day and their hopes for the future. God, I loved that man. We're not talking about moonlight and magnolias here. This is about the magic of a spectacular marriage and how it fueled our creative life and shaped our worldview. There have been